Hey there, I'm Paul Lighting. You're listening to Ello Governor, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Ello Governor, the podcast. I'm Abdullah, and with me as always is Tom. How you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. And uh, fair warning, I know we missed two weeks, and with that with that being said, this episode's going to be pretty long. Like, if we might like hit the two-hour mark, so I deeply apologize for that, or at, le- at the very least an hour and a half, because, you know... You miss two weeks, the news piles up, and then you're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, usually, like, uh, for those who, who listen to us, usually we would talk about Doctor Who, but seeing as it's been two weeks, I don't really think anyone cares anymore, so, um, sorry. You know, I said, I know I said we would review all the episodes, but, um, stuff came up, and, um, we got sidetracked. I got sidetracked with life, and that's how it goes. So sorry. Yeah. But anyway, um, but uh, big warning, I know we used to do the wrestling segments on the show, and um, they're back now, because Survivor Series happened, and something big happened on that pay-per-view, and my interest in the product has come back, so fair warning, you know, if you're not going to be interested in wrestling, skip to maybe 40 or so minutes, depending on how long we talk about this, because... We got a lot to cover, so, you know, fair warning. Um, Anyway, for those who are into wrestling, um, Survivor Series happened, and uh, there was a debut of a certain superstar that um, caught everyone's attention. (laughs) Yeah, and he was... It's one of those things that it was rumored for a long time he was going to make his debut here, he was going to make his debut here, and then... The final rumor was that he was going to debut at Survivor Series, and everyone's like, "Nah, that's not going to happen." It's like they'd said this so many times, he's not going to turn up. And sure enough, during the main event, the Survivor Series thing, which the traditional Survivor Series match, thank you for for that being the main event. And um, sure enough, um, came down to to like the last ten minutes of the match, and then out of nowhere, wait, completely black. And an iconic music started playing, and it was Stinks. <laughs> Stinger! Every one in that crowd went eight shit. They yeah, I mean, I mean, you had to watch this shit live because the pop he got was as big as the pop when Triple H came back in two thousand two. Yeah, it was that big, and it's just like the crowd would. It's like. 
when he was in the ring, the crowd went quiet. There was like some chance of this is awesome. But that crowd was generally shocked. It was like such a surreal moment. It's like, it's finally happened. He's finally in a WWE ring, which... And everyone marked out, which... Yeah, <laughs> that's years. And yeah, it's like Triple H's face as well. It's like I think Triple H helped sell it a, quite a bit as well, which is surprising considering it's Triple H. And even if he's like thinking, is this is this actually happening? And you just no, I mean, what? what was what was crazy about it was the crowd sold it because, like when, like you said, when they st- when Triple H and uh, Sting stared da- stared each other down, everyone was silent. Yeah. Everyone was like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? <laughs> and sure enough, um, Triple H has um, been running in his mouth a lot, and everyone wanted to get his hands on him. Sting actually did the deed and whooped his ass, which everyone <laughs> wanted to see for quite a while. Scorpion death drop, and like I said before, for a guy who's like 56... Sting looks in amazing shape. Like I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say that right now. Like for a guy who in his fifties, he looks amazing. I, I, I don't know. I'm blown away. I, I really am because um, you sold, know, he sold this whole entrance. He sold his appearance in the ring. His presentation. He didn't say anything, but he sold his presence, which which needed to be done. And yeah, it's just like one of those things. It's just like. That need to be done because the thing was with the whole Survivor Series pay per view was that it was a decent pay per view, and then the main event started off slow, but, but it, got it, 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 got it, it it picked up towards the end. And I'll say this right now: the last like a uh, couple of minutes of that pay per view, the main event was some of the best wrestling booking I've seen in years from the um, WWE. Yeah, because I was saying this: how shocking would it be? if John Cena was the first one to get eliminated. But, yeah, again, Mark Henry's been buried. His whole time career got buried in, like, five minutes. <laughs> but um, that's a completely different subject. But John Cena was just, well, was one was the last person, well, wasn't last person, but was second to last person, well, to get eliminated from his team. And everyone's like, holy shit. Uh, and it and it and and it helped because you know Big Show like was looking at the teams and he's like, well, fuck this, I'm turning heel and it, you know he punched Cena and when when he punched Cena, I was like, oh, he's just gonna kick out. Nope, he doesn't. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, shit. <laughs> it, it, it did prove one thing: um, Dolph Ziggler can carry a main event. <laughs> I get yeah, Dolph Ziggler, lone survivor. Yeah, <laughs> those are words I never thought I'd say. Cause, cause again, like because I, when the match was first booked, I thought, okay, Cena's obviously going to be the main survivor from the team, but no, it was Ziggler. And um, I don't know if this means that they're going to push him. I doubt it, but still a great moment nonetheless. Yeah. I think it. It. I. I mean, I. It's. It's weird. It's surreal. Like I'm talking about WWE, and for the first time ever, like. Because, you know, those who listen to us know that I left WWE on a bad term last time uh, during the summer. And it's kind of weird for me to talk about them in a positive light because I really don't think I can complain that much about this pay-per-view, to be quite honest. It was a very solid pay-per-view. I think the only thing I was like, um, I felt 
well, there's only was only really two things that I looked at. And I went, yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. Was the fact that Mark Henry got buried in like what, what was it like two minutes, and <laughs> the Divas um, Survivor Series match went on for a bit longer than I wanted because because in that there was only like four wrestlers and female wrestlers in that match that could wrestle. And uh, I think the worst part of that pay per view was fucking. Adam Rose and the Bunny. Jesus Christ. Oh, that, that was cringeworthy to watch. And um, that match didn't... Yeah, that match was not that great. And and also, i tell you one thing. I've never seen so many memes we get made from uh, Brie kissing AJ. Clearly, <laughs> on the internet. Literally, popped up everywhere on wrestling websites. And I'm shocked that they actually got away with that, to be quite honest. <laughs> was, my favourite one I saw was, like, they've got a picture of them kissing, and then suddenly he's got a picture of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk both both looking looking shocked. <laughs> so I thought that was quite... Um, I thought that was quite funny. It was a very... Um, I don't know, it was just a very nice... Um, Oh, it just it just was a, it was a good pay per view overall. I just thought it was very lukewarm, and then suddenly Reed picked up at the end and really saved saved the show. Yeah, I mean because like I said before, when we like for me personally, I mean I know this doesn't have anything to do with pay per view, but like for me personally, um, after after SummerSlam, I got disgust. I was just disgusted with the product. I was just fuck this company. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't like the direction they're going with in. And I I just left. I just stopped watching for a couple of months. And then lo and behold, I, ho- I heard rumors about Sting. And I'm like, okay, I mean, let's see what happens. And I watched this pay-per-view, uh, even though I, I didn't really want to. I was like, yeah, it's going to look, it's going to be terrible. But I watched it and I'm glad I did because this is probably the best Survivor Series pay-per-view I can think of in the past couple of years now. No, I mean, because I was, for those that don't know, I was at last year's Survivor Series, and that was that was a pretty decent Survivor Series I went to, I felt, apart from the main event. The main event was a... <laughs> even the person I went with who didn't watch wrestling, and even he said, yeah, the main event sucked. <laughs> it's kind of sad when you're like your stepdad is like, what yeah. the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, he even, he even, said, he even said that. He, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed the um, Survivor Series match. Which Roman Reigns was that? That was Roman Reigns' first big push, I would say, as a single guy. You know. No, but like I mean, because you know, here's the thing: I'm not happy Brock is the champion, but the fact that they took away the title and they're like booking some stuff differently for pay-per-view main events really helps other guys get over. Oh yeah, it did. Like it really helped Ziggler get over. Really helped, you know, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan to get over. They did a great job selling their feud. Yeah. Even fucking Rusev. Yeah. Fucking Rusev pulled pulled his pulled his weight for once. Yeah. Like definitely. You know, and I mean, like you said, it started out really slow, but holy shit, did it pick up? And and the swerves and all this other stuff. I mean, Big Show heel turn. Yeah, I kind of saw it coming, but again, the fact that Cena didn't kick out. Sold the the fucking sold uh, Big Show as a monster heel. Yeah. For once, for once. Yeah. They did it. They did the monster heel gimmick right with Show, yeah. and Show's been, 
show's been stagnant for fucking I, years now. Yeah, and I think the other thing I liked as well was the fact that they, um, with the whole thing with the big show, with, the, with knocking out John Cena and that, but I thought also the other thing they did right with Dolph Ziggler basically showed him as like um, a guy that never give up sort of thing, like an underdog sort of thing they did, and a survivor is the best way to put it. Yeah, because he was like the lone survivor, and he had like three other guys yeah. against and then him, he, and he got the shit kicked and, out and, of him. And he had like, what was it, like John, um, was it like Joey Mercury and um, Jimmy Novel as well on the outside of the ring, who were like the new Bob Backlin and um, Pat Patterson of the 40. <laughs> And they were literally like beating the crap out of him as well, along with um, Steph Rollins and Triple H. Triple H is like Triple H sold D. He was getting mad. He was like <laughs> losing it in the ring. He's like very, very brutal attack on him. And I was just standing there, like literally, like he was trying to get the ref out and everything like that. I thought, okay, what's going to happen? How is someone's going to come out? Who is going to? And then, sure enough. Sting came out, um, came out, and it was just, it was such that was such a real surreal moment. And you remember on the podcast where we did do the whole wrestling segment, I said who are the most likely candidates are, and I've always felt Triple H was the fourth ideal person that Sting would wrestle. Yeah, because it's weird seeing like a big WWE guy like Triple H stare down a WCW guy like Sting. Yeah. That's like. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think if you're going to get him in, you're going to have him wrestle someone. I think Triple H is a safe bet because I can't really think of anyone getting the ring with Triple H to come out injured off the top of my head. And again, like, I mean, I know I give Hunter a lot of shit, but dude can, is, a, is a great entertainer and I enjoy his matches. Yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed the Daniel Bryan match. I enjoyed the the CM Punk match at Night of Champions, even though Punk lost. But again, like he can, he can yes. work with these guys and yeah. not injure them like fucking Brock. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, I feel that if it's the right way to go, Sting's going to have a couple of matches leading up to WrestleMania. I think Triple H is a good ideal point to have, let him have a match with him at TLC. I think that'd be a good start for him. And then possibly at Royal Rumble, I don't know what you could do with Steam for Royal. If, if he's going to wrestle every single pay-per-view up to WrestleMania, I'd be happy with that. If that's that's going to be the case. But the question is, who his opponent's going to be? And if, and if for Royal Rumble, would he be a part of the Royal Rumble? I, I doubt it. No, but... Because, uh, again, uh, those who are not familiar with his character know that he's playing the same character from his WCW days, where he's like, oh, what's he going to do? He's like the neutral guy, but really he's just a baby face. <laughs> yeah, what's me? He's Sting is a baby face, that's the thing. He's always been popular, he's always been he's always been over with, with the crowd, even when he is a quote-unquote heel. He's a fan favorite. Um... I'm curious to see um, what they're going to do with him, um, with, with with Sting, and how they're going to um, portray his cap character and see. Because we all know, I think Sting said he he wanted his final match to be against with the Undertaker. That's kind of a given. Like yeah. you kind of know that everyone want everyone like even WWE. I, I hear rumors that they want to push for that match, but. The, my problem isn't Sting. My problem is Taker yeah, and his well health. And, and uh, yeah. Maybe not this year. Maybe, I don't know. It's like, 
if he is not going to wrestle at well, uh, WrestleMania, maybe, I don't know, let Undertaker have, have one rest day and then bring him back for, for the next WrestleMania. Like, I don't know. It's 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 just one of those situations where they're stuck in a rock and a hard place because you got Sting finally under your company. And yes, he's old. Yes, you know, he can't do some of the moves that he used to do back when he was in WCW. Can, but at least with him out of the old guys, he can still deliver a decent enough match where you could be entertained. It's just the oh, um, you can put him with. That's the thing. Oh, what was it? Uh, Mick Foley's book, Countdown to Lockdown, when he talks about his match, his build-up and the match with Sting, he said, even in interviews, he said like he wasn't sure about the match, but Sting really brought out the best in him yeah. to make him go, okay, I can do this, you know? It's like that match, um, the very last match um, he had with WCW, at, um, Nitro with Ric Flair, that wasn't, they both got on record saying that match wasn't planned, and that was a good match. Yeah, because Flair came out, cut this heartfelt promo about saying, it's over, but if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my terms, and I want to wrestle someone who I had the biggest respect for ever since day one, and that's Sting. Yeah. And it was a great, fantastic match between both guys. It was it, You can tell it was unscripted, and at the end they hugged, and it was such a great moment. And yeah. You know, again, Sting was one of those guys who, who was famous for not signing up with the WWE, even though everyone else did. Yeah. Because he just felt that it wasn't right for his character, and I kind of see that, because, again, you know, they they really didn't know how to use most of these WCW guys, like Diamond Dallas Page, you know, they yeah. kind of fucked him up Book- horribly. Booker T, they were okay with on most of the parts, but I think where they fucked up with him was the King Booker angle, but he came out all right. Yeah, I mean, out of all of them, he was the one that um, I think had the most successful career during the, his WWE run. Yeah, it's like he, well, it did help that his first feud with the WWE after the whole invasion storyline was with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that had one of the best, um, that had one of the best um, things for that build up for their match was the supermarket fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even Booker goes down on record saying that out of all the things he's done in the business. This is his fav- That was his favorite segment to, to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> he actually got on a record. I think they interviewed him recently. They said that whole supermarket sequence. How was that actually arranged? And he went, "Well, Vince basically made a deal with the supermarket. As you could tell, it was it was cl- it was during closing time when that was happening. It was a few employees around, and that was about it. But Vince basically said anything that we damaged, um, Vince will pay for." <laughs> and, and, and and that was the deal for any food that any food or products or any equipment that gets damaged get damaged during um during our fight we will will reimburse you on on the damages <laughs> so yeah that, that was a good moment yeah i mean again because and and it's crazy because like again you know sting the guy who has never been in a wwe ring up until this point it it just opens up a lot of possibilities. That's the thing, because with him be not and not being in a WWE ring, they can do whatever they want with him. Yeah, like because he's because he's fresh, he's new. Like you know, the the fans are not used to, at least the WWE fans are not used to his character. I think a lot of people who will be under the age of um, twenty will not get who he is. Would you agree? I mean. Uh, 
I, I, I probably. I mean, yeah, the kids probably yeah, the kids don't room. probably probably not know who he is, but like you know, they. I mean, WWE released a DVD recently of Sting, so I, I yeah. guess that could help him, you know, be more well known, but. Like for for the people who you know for the wrestling fans they know who he is. I mean yeah. I don't fucking know who he is. I fucking remember his shitty feud with Vader in early WCW where he, when he Ooh. had the the hair the the, the I love I love that promo with Vader going Stinger come face me at Stampede <laughs> Stinger. Man, this was good in ring to the first time. Not so great on the mic. <laughs> Have you seen the promo they did with with Sting going up to the top of the mountain and Vader and they have a tug of war match? And what was it? Harley Race was there talking like this. Yeah, I remember that. I think that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Stinger! Come face me, Stinger! God, that was one of the worst things. Again, WCW did some fantastic stuff. Quote-unquote fantastic stuff with their talent back in the day. And you could tell Sting was still green during his mic work because his acting in that segment... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what... Um, what... Um... Oh, I can't remember what company it was. What was the company that, that the guy was wearing the glitter ball um, Star Wars um, Stormtrooper mask? That, that was WCW. I thought, yeah, I thought so. Well, what was his name? The dis- Oh, God, I can't remember the name of the guy. The Shockmaster. Shockmaster, yeah, that was it. Because um, it was uh, the guy was that was um, related to um, family friend to um, the Rhodes family. Because there's a funny story <laughs> uh, with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, apparently, when he's speaking to Cody about it, Cody was watching it as a kid, and when he when he saw the helmet fall off, he recognized who it was. He went, he was like, "Wait, is that so and so?" And you just you just see British Bulldog in the background, and one of the other wrestlers just in the background um, trying not to laugh. No, I love I love the commentary, and they're like, "He fell on his ass." <laughs> <laughs> the reason why when they built that they didn't realise he didn't realise there was a plank of wood underneath it he was supposed to crash through the wall but he didn't realise there was a plank of wood at the very bottom quite high up from the bottom and he basically tripped over the plank of wood that was the whole problem <laughs> god that that guy had had a more botchal entrance than Sin Carver does and who could forget my favourite sting moment of all time oh uh... You want to say it? Sting's in, Sting's in trouble, but here comes Joe. <laughs> uh, Sting's in trouble, who comes? Well, here comes Joe. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember Sting's legendary um, 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 feud with uh, Vampiro? Oh, God. Well, he, he buried him. <laughs> He buried him. Gee, great build up. The match. My God, you cannot bury that man. It's like a Triple H match. He's like, I'm no son. That shit, you turd. He sold his burying alive match, and he comes back, and he thought, okay, there'd probably be a big, a decent match. No, he completely destroys him in the match. It was a squash match because he, when he, once he got that pipe, he just beat the living shit out of him, and he, he just didn't get any moves on him. It's like, it was just a typical Triple H squash match. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
at least I can say Sting never had a Randy, um, never had a Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan match in WCW. <laughs> Where he bites him on his ass. <laughs> God. God damn. <laughs> fucking, fucking WCW. Yeah, always good fun. But yeah, I thought, thought, thought pay-per-view overall, um, Survivor Series pay-per-view overall, it was it was good, but it felt it made that pay per view felt important again by having Sting turn up at that pay per view because I felt that what Survivor Series for a few years was lacking because this was supposed to be one of the big four, and yeah. it made it felt important, which was like you need to watch this pay per view, and you know what, it was worth watching. And I'll just say this. Thank fuck it was Sting and not Randy Orton. Oh, I was dreading that. I, mean, I was just sitting there, please don't be Randy Orton. Please don't be Randy Orton. And then when all the lights went out, I thought, oh shit, it's Sting. <laughs> and then when you saw, saw the Titan Tron game, when you saw like the promo for, little promo for Sting, and he seen him come out, you thought, oh my god, he actually... You, you, you know what would have been really bad? What they could have done? <laughs> promo happened, and then Damien Salgdown comes out dressed up as Sting. No, not Damien Sandow. Have someone come out in a sting mask and it's David Flair. <laughs> oh, Christ, David. Which happened in WCW as well. He was the fake sting. I thought, I thought, oh, God. Wasn't he, is David Flair dead now? Or is that his other son? I can't remember. No, that was his other son. David Flair was the guy who got buried by The Undertaker in a segment on Raw. Oh, you mean Crowbar. Yep. <laughs> oh, God, it was a team crowbar and pi- pipe, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> and pipe got destroyed because he got chopped off, like, a quote-unquote high building. Jesus Christ. Off his character. I, think he got, I think he got thrown off by the wall. I think so, I don't remember. The wall had, had a difficult habit for his character once he stopped being the bodyguard for that... Um, that um, was it. I can't remember. European wrestler. He ended up going off and ended up like chucking people off walls because you know because he was the wall. Well, I mean, he did feud with Hogan at one point, so there you go. That's oh. the highlight of your career. Oh, you mean like? Oh my God, it's the wall! It's the wall! He's the top of the building. How can the fuck you tell it's the wall? Look how high up it is. That could be any jack off up there. <laughs> Again, we get sidetracked with WCW shit. I don't know why, but it just happens. <laughs> it's so much to talk about with WCW. It was such a train wreck of a company. <laughs> and that was the thing. It's just like, NWO, NWON, no, NWO, come back. Red, <laughs> um, white, and black. Okay, now this is getting silly. No, I, I said I wanted Booker to be the champion, and then Jarrett won the belt <laughs> a day later. <laughs> I um I watched the have you watched the interview with Vince Russo recently? I think it was back like a few months ago. Which one? Um, when he actually explained the story behind that, why why that whole thing played out the way it did. Yeah, I, I I've seen that clip on YouTube. Yeah, but for those that don't know, go and look up the clip. But to sum it up in short, if you don't want to watch it, Vince Russo lied to Hulk Hogan, lied to everyone in the company at that point in time. He called Hogan got his lawyers on the phone and said he's not going to be putting over for Jarrett. So Hogan was in the main event. He told Hogan this whole spiel that he said to him that, okay, 
what this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let's say this is real. This is real. I'm going to tell you, screw you. And I would go in the Jarrett and said, he's not going to do the D. Tell him just to lie out flat right in the middle of the ring. And you pin him one, two, three. And then you walk out the building with the title. And then I come out to the ring and he did the whole, you know, the whole thing when he said Hogan walked out the building, blah, blah, blah. And no one will know about it. And um, he said, that's brilliant. And then then, he's, then he got onto the phone with the booking agency, like, like the producers of, of um, WCW at the time, television people and, he's, and they, they, they just said to Vince Russo, what the hell happened and he explained to him look this is what happened and he said yeah don't call him because he the one thing he did wrong which he admitted to he said I call you tomorrow morning and let you know what's going on and he didn't <laughs> I think he could have saved a whole lawsuit personally if he would have just called him if he just called him and just told him I spoke with the TV excessive they can't afford they, they, they should have just been honest with him and just said yeah we can't afford you I mean, the, the, again, the problem was like th- him. He went. He and Hogan went, and Jared did this. Came up with this whole spiel and didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah. And that kind of bit them in the ass at the end. And not, the other thing was that um, everyone in that company told themselves and told Vince Russo, Booker T's walking out as the champion at Bash of the Beach. No buts. <laughs> and he, I give him credit. He kept to that promise even though he had to go behind a few people's back and lie, but he did it. Because that's the thing, with Bats of the Beach, like, it didn't end like that. That was the segment that people talk about, but people don't realize that they did, in fact, have that match with Booker and Jared, and Booker did walk out the champion, but, you know, most people remember that segment. Yeah. Because it, it was advertised that, you know, Hogan was going to take on Jared. And the match was just booked like the whole the Booker and Jared match was booked like on the fly uh, uh, during the pay per view, so that's why it was so awkward. Yeah, but yeah, again, Booker T just deserved to win that championship at that time. <laughs> and then, and then they bury the. How do you kill his fucking championship reign by having him then play hot potato by having the the title go to Jared, then go back to Booker. Then go back to Russo, then go back to everyone else until it, it went, went to fucking. <laughs> it, went, it went to DDP, then it went to Will Arnett. Yeah, and then Will David Arnett, Arnett, Arnett <laughs> um, laid it out in the ring, and it went to Jack Jarrett. Fun fact uh, the WCW oh, no. World Title the, the, the WCW World Title changed hands 27 times in the year 2000. Oh, <laughs> I don't need to change that many times. <laughs> also, you want to know, and 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 what's the best way to book the the good uh, Booker versus Jarrett match by having a fucking gimmick match where the belt's gonna be in on boxes on fucking poles? Jesus oh. Christ! I think the one match they did good, they made good in WCW was the free the free cage free stage the free stat cage match. <laughs> I give him credit on that. That, that was a that was a visually impressive looking match, and I was really surprised they had that match on twice on a normal WCW Nitro, which I was like, okay, why are you having this on a Nitro? It's cool, but I don't understand why you're having it. <laughs> oh God, I remember like, I was watching a shoot interview with Christopher Daniels, and he he t- says this funny story about Jeff Jarrett uh, uh, booking TNA. And they're like, oh, well, we can do ca- a cage match. And it's like, okay. 
and then another cage match, and then three cages, and he's like, fuck no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, overall, we can say that Survivor Series was a good uh, pay-per-view. Good pay-per-view, so, yeah, and you know, good pay-per-view, and yeah, wrestling segments back <laughs> on the show. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with that being said, the wrestling segment's over. So you know, um, come back, everyone who's is not interested in wrestling. So again, timestamp, yada yada yada. Let's move on to Sonic Boom, and oh boy, do we have a lot to say about this game? Okay, should we? Okay, we're gonna start with the game. So yeah, <laughs> we start with the train wreck first. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, a game that had like quite a lot of hype and potential behind it, and a brand new, fresh company as well. Red, big, big, uh, was it Big Red Button Studio? Was that the company? yeah, Big Red, Big Red Button Entertainment? Yeah, and they were like fresh out the gate, and um, everyone expecting good things from them. Unfortunately, though, um. This game, you could tell it was rushed. It was unpolished. They looked like they didn't even bother to beta test it. And Sadar didn't even bother to give out pre-orders for this game. So it's it sounds like to me, well, because there's different stories. Have you heard the stories about what happened at Big, Big Red Button during the development of this game? Oh, some of them left. Some of the developers left. Yeah. Like in July. They left in July... Halfway from and, production of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounded like it was a bit of a botched job. No, 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 not a bit of a botched job. A complete botched job. Like, and was... I'll tell you why, because you get a new studio, you get a new game developer, and you give them something to work on the Wii U, a new hardware system that no one knows how to work with. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of problems with it, and um, they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, it just... It's annoying because it just like it sounds so promising, and then it's pretty much what happened to um, what happened to Sonic 06. A bunch of people got together and the they got up and left during the development of the game. No, and what pisses me off is like Sega again in their wisdom, like they knew they had a shit game on their hand. So what did they do? They're like, oh. We're sorry we made a shitty game, but here's a fucking. If you buy a co- if you buy an icy smoothie, you get a free code for the game. Yeah. Just that that's bullshit. I'm gonna be straight up. That's fucking bullshit. And like the, uh... you 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 had a shitty fucking game on your hand. You released a shitty fucking game. The least you could do is apologize to the fucking fans. Yeah. The least you could. Oh yeah, definitely. It just. They released this game under a rush, and it just was a. It just wasn't finished. It you could tell this was like shoved out the front door, and was like, "Yep, there you go. Here's the game." And I, I don't know who's at fault here. The fact that it was big red button entertainment that were rushed to get the game out, or did a poor job making the game, or the fact that Sega rushed this, knew what was going on with the company, and didn't bother to say, "Right, okay." delay the game until next year. Or at least just say, you know, it's not working out with Big Red Button. We're going to delay the game and get back Sonic Team to work, to finish the job on this. Yeah. Or something like that. Just don't... Don't fucking close... Don't fucking not say anything 
when you know you're in trouble, when you know that these people were leaving the company because they didn't want to get blamed for this. Mm-hmm. And 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 the same and the problem was like they had two games to work on. They had like the DS version and the um and, and the Wii U version. Well, the DS version was worked on um, by oh, I can't remember the name of the company, but the company that um ported over the slide the slide collection. Again, you could have just asked those people to finish up the console version. Because it's weird, weird enough. Um, I know. The DS version, the DS version got slightly better reviews than the Wii U version, unfortunately. And it's just the problem is, it's just like it tried to be many different things, and it just wasn't good. It did not; it had no direction. You can tell that within the gameplay. You could tell the game was unpolished because it just like it didn't look good. It had some frame rate problems it was um, i mean and then the character models look unfinished yeah like they legit look unfinished and the text like some of the shit some of the shading on some of the characters looks like it needs to be polished and the textures, it's non-existent <laughs> and some of the textures on some 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 of the places as well look horrible and considering that you've seen games like high was it like Zelda hyrule warriors and um super mario kart and you see the textures in those games and you're just like yeah, you can do textures a lot better on the Wii U. Fucking Bayonetta 2 looks yeah. amazing compared to this shit. Yeah, because the problem is that basically the game is riddled with glitches, bugs, camera system problems, poor controls, uninspiring combat system, and even the dialogue and the character development um, was lacking. The only thing you can give it was, like, the only thing you can praise about it is probably the voice acting and the... Some parts of the graphics were okay in some places. I'll tell you the problem because again, the the problem with Sega is like they look at something like this. I mean, maybe it's big red button. I'm just gonna put the blame on them because they they're like, oh, we're making a game for kids. We don't have to put effort into this, and I think that's kind of bullshit. You know what this reminds I, me of? What? Epic Mickey Two. Oh my god! Because that game was rushed. This was clearly was a rush game as well. I mean, an Epic Mickey 2 was so bad, like, the... here. Okay, here's the thing. I understand, like, you want to challenge kids. You don't want to talk down to them. So, you know, you want to make a puzzle game and have puzzles that aren't too complex, but aren't too simplified. Like, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But the problem with Epic Mickey 2 is the the fucking puzzles were so goddamn complex, no one could figure them out. Yeah. It, literally, you had to look up line, find walkthroughs, or... Just by sheer random luck to figure out what you need to do with the puzzles in those games, which was because again, it's an it's an open world game, and you had to 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 say, okay, this door's locked. Where do I need to go to get so and so? Yeah. Turns out you need to go here, 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 here. And it's like no way you were gonna figure that shit out on day one. No way you were gonna fucking figure that out. Yeah. I think the other problem was um was that you knew this game was going to be bad when, unlike the previous games, Sega did not provide reviewers with copies of either Shadow Crystal, which is the DS version, and the Rise of Lyric. They could only begin reviewing once the game was on sale. So you knew Sega had a bad game on their hands. You knew that they knew that they could... This this, this is where, where I put the blame on Sega. It's that they knew they had a bad game. They knew they had a shit game on their hands. 
they could have could have took to step back and just said, look, this is a new franchise. We the comics out, the TV series is out. Let's just um, let's just take a step back and just either let these guys finish up the game and make it better, or we have Team Sega, Team Sonic to step in and try to fix the game in some sort of capacity. And I think they just rushed it because they just wanted to get out of their contract with Nintendo. I think they do. I don't, I don't If that's the case, I don't blame Sega for that, but it's unacceptable to release a game like this, especially when, um, when a player discovered a jump to infinity heights by pressing the pause button over and over again in, while you're playing his Knuckles because his knucks, Knuckles jump is so buggy, he can reach to the highest heights bypassing most of the game and speedrunners manage to beat the game in under an hour using the glitch. Yep. I'm not kidding. It's it's literally, it's mind-boggling. It's just like a game that had so much potential. When they originally showed it off at E E3, the models look unfinished. They look unpolished. And then when you saw when they brought it the same... No, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm kicking myself for this because I remember talking to you about this. I, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe you know, they were just testing it out. Maybe that's why they didn't show footage. Maybe they just said it was beta. No, that was the finished footage. That was the well, fucking no, finished the first, footage. No, the first E3 stuff was not finished footage, but the stuff they showed at PAX, that was the finished footage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when I saw it at PAX, I'm like, you know, maybe that that's just like what, you know, you know, going to look like. I mean, you, and you can't judge it on the trailer, and I was like, fuck, stupid. Yeah, and then it, the problem, and also as well, it's just like, the characters were, the characters' dialogue were not witty and funny. I, I, I do not know, I have, I'm wrapping my head around this because I think to myself, did they bother even get the writers of the cartoon to come on this, or did did they just write it themselves? And um, you know what's weird? Well, like the the, the 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 cartoon is supposed to be witty and funny and has a like tone to it, and the game is serious. It is that's the problem. There's there's some funny bits, very very rarely in the game, but. It went a completely different tone to what the cartoon was, and the game it doesn't it works in places but not properly. It's just like it feels out of place. It's junky. The storyline is very very rushed and pushed pushed, pushed together. Um, Lyric is a very underwhelming villain. He has a good presence, but he does jack shit. The introduction for Shadow as a time traveler was even mind-boggling. And he's only there, he literally is in the game for only about 10 minutes for one boss fight, and he turns up at the very end for two minutes, and he's like, oh, it looks like you've done a good job. And he walks off. And, <laughs> and the ending's so anticlimactic. It's unreal. <laughs> it literally ends off, it ends off like the Power Ranger movies at the end with, with the fireworks. <laughs> and even the fight with Lyric, you think, okay, how Sonic's going to take him out? Oh, look, there's, these things look like crystals. Maybe they could be the cat. No way, they're just regular power. Okay. And it, it just really, really bogged Also, the, the fucking... Here's the thing that I fucking hate about developers. I think that we're making a game for kids, so we got to talk down to them. And how do we talk down to them? By every time a boss fight happens, the characters will never shut up and go, we need to do this to beat them. We need to do this to beat them. I just want to also quickly mention as well, um, when it came to the music of the game, I know we 
we don't talk about the music when it comes to games which we do speak about but I felt sorry for the guy who had to do the music for this game because he's not a bad composer he worked on like Mass Effect and the music in the game is just so unforgettable and he's done he worked for Sega before like he's worked on 3D Blast he's worked on Sonic R he's worked on Jet Set Radio Oh my and god, really? He's done the music for those games. And it's just really, really bad to see him come onto this project and they didn't really use him properly. Also, you want to... Here's the thing. Another thing that really bugged me. If you're going to have NPCs and you're going to have like quests and all that shit, have their fucking character models look presentable. Because um, they look like shit. Oh yeah, I, I, you you know who really be bad at doing that? Um, it's um, Square Enix with the Kingdom Hearts games when when the character's not the main focus, they use like a one stilted image to put over the character's face, and it's really noticeable. In this game, unless it's not a cutscene, it is really really noticeable with with the character. Yeah. Right? There's barely any move or facial expression on their thing. At least like I don't know, make their even Sock Adventure 1 had more facial expressions. <laughs> and that's 1998. And like I said, like you can tell the, the characters look like they should have shading, but they don't. Because yeah. the models are not finished. The models are just not finished. It's really, really mind-boggles me because I mean that. Yeah, sure, they went with action-adventure adventure approach with the game. And considering the guy who was the CEO of the company was leading the project... Considering he was a naughty dog, and he's quite infinitely known working on, I don't know, adventure games like Crash Bandicoot, 1, 2, 3, uh, the first Uncharted game, and all the Jack and Dexter games, except for lost, lost, the lost one. So, how can this happen? <laughs> you know? I'll tell you what happened. The fucking team left the company halfway through production. That's what happened. Team left through to production. Sega knew they had a, a, a shipping or anything. They knew they were in a lock contract with Nintendo. They could have halted the game off for another year, but I think I think their next Sonic main Sonic title. I think they want to get that out on, on the main consoles. I mean that's the reason why they wanted they wanted to get out that contract with Nintendo. And it's such a shame too because like. In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about the cartoon, and you're going to see, you're going to hear me praise the cartoon a lot because I really think the cartoon has a, has a lot of potential, and I think this franchise, Sonic Boom, has a lot of potential to be a good spinoff. Yeah. But the problem is, it's not going to forever be infamous for you know, being a part of this game. Yeah. It's sad. It's just um, a lot of people call this like the new Odex. Do I feel it's that title no but it is up there with one of the worst Sonic games to be made but it's not the worst game that ever the Sonic has been made in the Sonic franchise so I can name like a ton of difference or I can name quite a, quite a few Sonic games which are a lot worse than this and it's just it's really annoying that this has happened. It's like, um, it's like, would you agree with that or not? 
I don't think it's as bad as 06, but the thing is, 06 was just a broken game that was unplayable from from the from start to finish. This had potential. This is playable, but it's just broken. Yeah. It's just beyond broken that it's just like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And plus, like, there's no like a lot of collectibles to go to come back to. There's not like. There's not like hidden areas or something like that to come back to the game. Like I, they there's try, no, I don't know. They try adding in RPG element which you power up your characters, which a lot of people said it really feel like nothing happens. And also they want the power up. So if you want to get, you have to pull, you have to basically connect your DS with a copy of Sonic, the, the Sonic Boom DS game to unlock certain things in that game and unlock stuff in the DS version. Oh boy, microtransactions because yeah. those work so well. Yeah, <sighs> and it's that wasn't popular. That, that a lot of reviews up on that, and it just that wasn't popular one bit. Um, it's like I said, it's like Sonic 06 was a lot lost person than this. Um, Sonic uh, Lab, I think all the Game Gear games, for a matter of fact, were horrible. To be honest, um, I also feel that. I don't know. Um, I, there's just there's a few games I look at. Are like, I think I, I think they're they're worse than this, but this is up there. This is up there with some some worse stuff I've seen come out of the Sonic franchise. And this is supposed to be next gen. Like, this is supposed to be like Sega's first. Um, this is the start of a new franchise. Like, that's what pisses me off so much. It's like they're starting a new franchise. They're saying to to people, "Hey, you know, we we have this new idea. We're doing a spinoff. We're gonna launch this franchise. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a tie-in video game." And the tie-in video game is terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, what what's the point? Like, what's the point of coming back to this? The whole point of Rise of Real Lyric was that it was supposed to be a prequel to the cartoon. It's meant to explain how the characters, how the characters, who the characters are where the characters came from, and and also how they met Sticks. None of those things were answered at all. And the thing is, if you watch the cartoon, none of those answers, none of those questions really matter because the cartoon can stand on its own. Well, it doesn't need to explain shit for you to enjoy it. Before we go on the cartoon quickly, I just want to quickly sum this up. Uh, recently, a friend of mine who was doing the charity stream, he interviewed... Um, um, Ian Flynn, the guy who does the Archie comics. Yeah. And from the response he was given about, he was interviewing us, asking how much material Sonic Boom was given, how much information was given, and apparently he wasn't given a lot. Hmm. Him and the artists were not were given tiny scraps of information on, on the first issue for the Sonic Boom comic. And I just feel like, okay, I think it sounds like Sega didn't bother to make up their mind who was in charge to explain these characters' origins and who was in charge of doing what. Because even they said, we don't even know if our stuff is in continuity with the cartoon or the video games. And and that's kind of the problem, because you kind of need someone to say, okay, this is canon, this is not canon... Because you're building a new universe, and when you're building a new universe, you kind of need to, you know establish what is canon, what isn't canon, 
and 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 this is just garbage. This is like this is terrible fucking marketing on Sega's part because they 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 strike me as people who have an idea who's like, okay, we're gonna create like the next Star Wars or something like that, yeah. but they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what they what their vision is, and that's kind of a problem when, as a writer, you know, as someone who who's who wants to get into writing. When I create something, when I write something, I need to know where I'm going to go with it. I can't just say, I'm going to write this, and it's just going to be like a one-shot, or it's not going to be canon, or something like that. I need to know where I'm going to go with it. Mm-hmm. But but this shit of, um, this is not going to be canon, this is going to be canon, it, maybe, it's just not going to work. Like, what's the point of of getting Ian Fling, Flynn and the Archie guys to do a to do a tie-in comic if it's not going to be canon? And the thing with Ian Flynn is, those who don't read read Sonic Arch comic, he is a very talented writer, a writer with the Sonic stuff. He understands the characters. When he, when he says himself, he doesn't understand what the direction, what direction Sega will go in. You know something's wrong. Because the, because again the like I said with the tone of the rise of Linux it's very serious. There's a little joke here, jokes here and there, but overall the tone is very serious. Yeah. And I think that kind of hurts the game because like for those people who watch the cartoon, know that the cartoon is lighthearted yeah. and it doesn't take itself seriously. I think the big one, the biggest disappointments as well. This was being on the Crisis Free engine. Ugh. <laughs> which that that engine is good. It just when you look at it, it's like, wait, this was made on Crisis Free Engine. What the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah, the Crytek engine that a lot of people say was just—it's it, a good engine, but Jesus Christ, what the fuck went wrong here? Yeah, this will be because Crytek Free—it's like it's like. Name some of the games that were made on it. And it's just like some some really games were made on it. And it's just like you know what happened. Again, it's like and I know again. And don't give me that shit about oh you know Wii U fucking graphics compatibilities and like as strong as the PS4 or X or Xbox. And I'm like okay, that's not a good excuse though. Your 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 job is to make this thing look pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, you you you're you're given an engine, and you better know how to how to work with it. Yeah. Because what what's the point of not knowing how to work with something and say, oh, we're going to be limited to the hardware? Yeah. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Because the whole thing with Crisis Engine is Crisis the Crisis Engines is that it's meant to be the textures, the shadowing, and the and the look. That's that's the whole point with the Cry Free Engine. It goes on like the particles, the, uh, the textures, the lighting, shadowing, that's not what it was famous for, I would say. And it just didn't, it just didn't work out. Um, overall, this is my um, If For anyone who's not a Sonic fan, do not bother with this. Avoid it at all costs. Do not bother playing it. It is one of the worst Sonic games you will play. And I've been a fan probably since day one, and um, even I can say that this is a piece of shit. 
Um, if you are a fan and you're curious about this, for the love of God, approach this with caution. Keep an open mind and do not buy this for full price, for the love of God. And whatever you do, if you're someone who doesn't own a Wii U and wants to buy a Wii U just to play this, don't. Don't, no. This just don't. Worth. This was my big selling point on getting a Wii U and this game flopped and I'm like, yeah, again, again, it's a, it's a game on the Wii U I want to play, like Mario Kart 8, I want to play, I want to play Smash, but this was the one game that was going to decide me to get it all, because this was the one game I looked at, I was like, is, if this stood, I would have to pick up a Wii U, and unfortunately it wasn't. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> but, on, should we move on to something good? You might as well talk about the cartoon now, seeing as we're already shot on the fucking game for a couple of minutes now. Yeah. <laughs> right. The animated television series, what I have to say about it, it's awesome. And it's I love so, it. Oh, God, it's so well done. I remember when they showed off that teaser um, back at Sonic Boom, the, um, was it like the five-minute thing with, with Sonic fighting Dr. Robotnik with Tails. Why that was going on, and they're fighting Robotnik's um, Eggman robot called the Burninator, I believe the name of it was. And it's got this big, massive fight. And a lot of people were skeptical about it because Sonic had a new look, all the characters had new looks, and no one was like, everyone was like up in the air, they didn't know what, what was going to happen. And sure enough, um, first, first two episodes came out, everyone was. People was either looking forward to it or dreading it, and I think it proved a lot of naysayers wrong. It was really good, I have to say. I, I think my only problem with it was the animation is kind of stiff in some places. Oh, oh yeah, it has some animation problem, but I think it's one of the better-looking CGI shows on television at the moment. Hmm. It, it is one of the best-looking ones, to be honest. It looks good for computer generation. It looks good, and but I just think that the movements could use a lot of work. I think in some places you can tell they they cut corners. But yeah, again, for computer generation, com, com, computer generation animation, and in high definition, in high definition as well, it looks all solid. It looks really good. I feel. And I think the one thing that sold this show is the fact that the writing is really good. Yeah. The writing is very, very comical. The best way I can put it, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It has a adventure time feel to it for its humor in, in, in like the deliverance of the lines and its humor in some places, but having its own take on it at the same time. Because a lot of the humor comes from like dry humor. Yeah. Like if if you're not into like stuff like, because again they do the joke of like set up punchline, you know. It, yeah. It's not like joke 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 joke. There's like joke, set up punchline, you know. Yeah, joke. And set if up you're not yet, yeah, I mean it's not like adventures where they would have like jokes jokes jokes, and try to have like slapstick stuff to make it funny as you know this is more like very very dry type type 
type sitcom humor is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I think what also the 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 humor is done well because um, one of the writers he actually wrote on one of my favorite episodes called Translate This because a guy called um, Dave Polsky. He's a television screenplay writer. He's known for he's most well known for creating the buzz of Maggie and also co-writing Scary Movie Two weirdly. But he also has been a writer specifically on My Little Pony, um, The Cramp Twins, South Park, out of all things <laughs> as well. And you can definitely see that sort of humour there. In that sense, like, it's very dry, witty humour for kids. Like, basically, there's stuff there for kids, but if uh, someone our age or older sees it, they get a chuckle out of it. You know, um, and I would say I'll say this right now. Knuckles is easily my favorite character out of the bunch. He's your favorite I just, character. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that joke where he takes the letter, puts on glasses. He's like, Ahem. "Oh wait, I can't read." <laughs> hey, that, I wasn't expecting the glasses in um, my fair Dixie. I was not expecting that. I'm like, "Oh, Knuckles going to read it for the, like the most fanciest pair of glasses you can ever get." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And I just broke. <laughs> Out often, I, I think some people have a bit of a problem with knuckles. I mean, they they made them too dumb. But I think it. I think with me personally, the way I look at it, is I, I think it depends who's writing him because they seem to be mucking around how smart he is to how dumb he is. I think that's been a no. I mean, he's, it never struck me as a dumb guy. He just struck me as someone who just thinks he's all, all hot shit and he's just. Totally oblivious to some of the shit, to some of the stuff that's going around him. He reminds me of like a do bro sort of thing, like, like a broski sort of thing. That that's yeah. <laughs> really the vibe I got off from him. Especially, the- I love, I mean, especially like the first line where he's like, um, "You could be my sidekick, Sonic, but we need to change your names to name to something more suitable." I was thinking Knuckles Junior. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. I thought that was, I thought that was so well done. And um, the first episode, Psychic, um, tells to get injured during the contact with Eggman with his robot and so like trying to get a new sidekick. And that whole sequence was done so well. I, I even I like Amy. I like what they did done with Amy as well. Also, I love the writing where she introduces herself and he's like, Amy, I know who you are. Don't. Why are you telling me this? this yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Well, I can juggle, I can sing, and I can do a crazy man accent. Crazy Italian pizza delivery boy accent. <laughs> oh, my God. I like how she's written. Like, I like the fact that for a character, she's not an excessive fangirl. They're matured. Yeah. They're matured. But she still has a crush on Sonic, but no no one knows it, which I like. <laughs> which I like a lot, which I'm like, okay, I like what you're doing with this. Is the fact that and also, I love the fact that they play them both off as like uh, like an actual couple in some sense. Like they have a go at each other. Like in like they get in arguments with like what couples would get in arguments with about obliviously, which I noticed with <laughs> with couples. No, I kind of love the ending of the first episode where where she's like, "Knuckles, what's wrong?" He's like, "Ah, oh, Knuckles Junior isn't working out." He's like, "I can be your sidekick," and he's like, "Knucklesina." Close enough. And I got that was a. I thought that was such a good take on it. And even the, the beaver who was in it, that was voice. My podcast had done a lot of minor roles in this series as well. It's like the minor characters. If you had a voice 
for minor character in this episode. It's more, it's like eight times out of ten, it's going to be Mike Pollock doing the voice. Uh, actually, right. it's... <laughs> yeah. it's... And I just love the fact that the beaver come in, it's like, he leaves, he comes back and says, oh yeah, I can I can discount for your ballet parking. And so it's like, sold! And I'm like, wait, stop it, you run everywhere. And I thought, okay. <laughs> actually, I'm just going to cr- crawl up in the fetal position and cry. <laughs> By sucking on my thumb. I don't know, I just love that. Again, every character you meet on the show can have their own spin-off. Because oh, yeah. they're so well-written. <laughs> I think um, the second episode um, called um, Can an Evil Genius Crash on Your Couch for I think that's my favorite. That's my favorite episode so far. Is... I love this one so much. I... So much. <laughs> you know what that episode reminded me of a little bit? It what? reminded me of a Seifelt episode. Yeah, and I just love my favorite line of the episode is like, no, no, they don't need sleep. They're robots. They don't have no souls. <laughs> they have no souls. <laughs> That made me laugh so much. And he's just like, so, so just you. And he went, yes. And also Cuba Robot. They're like family to me. <laughs> um, but we're family. Shut up, you don't count. <laughs> and it's like they wake up in the morning, like Sonic's tired and Tails is tired. And it's like Robotnik's there. And he's wearing like an evil genius one piece. And it's pink. <laughs> and he's like, he even have a back door as well. And just had like the squeaky toy noise when he said that. And I just love where Amy says, oh, come on, let's not be mean, at, mean to Eggman. He's like, he's a cinnamon little soul. Are you eating because you're, just, you're trying to eat, eat your feelings away? Get this woman away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to be like the, what was it, like the therapist person during the whole entire episode. I thought that was so well done. Oh, I love the one at the end where the robot trying to attack his fortress and he's like Sonic you gotta help me why because if you don't I'm being forced to stay with you for real he's like let's go <laughs> I even thought even though both him and Tails were sleeping on the job when they're trying to help save Eggman's base it still made me laugh that even when he's like sliding on the floor in a sleepy animation I thought you could do that any other way but I love the fact the minor touch they did was the fact that the way he was sleeping is like the classic Sonic 2D game. You leave him too long, he lies on the floor like that. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that that is a nice little nod. And I just love the that robot as well. That boombox robot was so funny. He's just like, go and destroy him. Go destroy him. Go and destroy base. And he's like, no. And he's like, Blah, listen to loud boombox music. He just pulls a boombox out of nowhere and walks off. I love Styx's line where she's like, you can't destroy me, I'm unkillable, or something. It's like, yeah, you can't kill me, or something like that. (laughs) And then also when he said, quick, follow me, keep shouting, oh, shadows. (laughs) Oh, my God, it was funny. And the ending is so funny as well, when he says, so, can I stay with you? And Sonic just, like, picks him up, runs him all the way back to his face. (laughs) And then Amy comes along with all about Kubot with a balloon and says, imagine your feelings as a balloon. And this is... And this is reality. And he just runs off. <laughs> I think that's hands down my favorite one they did that they've done so far. I think the next episode was possibly my favorite one, which was called Translate This. When Tails builds a robot and translates every un, it translates everything that creatures supposed to say, but unpredictably had the ability to read minds. And it caused friction between him and his friends. And I just love the fact that it's just like it's just like the whole thing. It's like Tails said, "Oh, it had the ability to be mine." So it's just like I did not expect this circumstance, but I take credit for it anyway. <laughs> and it's like the robot just reads out all their thoughts and everything like that. And it's just 
gets really funny and Amy gets more and more paranoid and eventually tells turn it off before the robot could say it's a turn that damn thing off away before we find out that I love Son. It's just <laughs> Sonic. <laughs> no, I think my favorite one was when he breaks into Robotnik's base and he falls down on, on the cake and he's like, no one will suspect that cake broke my in- integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that Robotnik is such an egotistical maniac. The robot starts praising him. It's just what Robotnik's thinking all the time is about praising himself and the robots just keep praising him. And he just, he's like, he's like, he's like it's a, it's a T, uh, it's a T to you. You shall be my number, number two. I thought I was your number two. He's like, he's, he's like no, you're not my number two. That's impossible. Lucky I had this computer here to tell me which number you are. <laughs> 487. <laughs> On the list. Oh, that, oh my God. And then, oh my God. I, I love the, I love the joke towards the end where he's like, oh, I didn't sign the contract. And then <laughs> during the battle, Eggman tells him to do to do something and he just looks at him and he's like oh right <laughs> that, that made me laugh is the fact when basically tells say well tells sign the contract and then perfect time all bot just came in and he went here's that contract you need to sign tails and he just walks <laughs> off and me when I, when I saw that you know what sort of like played in the back of my head so what <laughs> and it's just like him like they're getting a fight with this big massive like tank like robot sort of thing the robots reading out all their thoughts during the fight and everything like that and i just it made me laugh a little bit when um amy's like getting attacked she looked like she's about to get smashed by the robot sonic saves her and then the rope she go oh they say thank you sonic and then suddenly just read sonic for said, well i do care about you and he's like oh <laughs> and at the end of it, I think Sticks did the right thing by chucking that robot in the ocean. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tails had to be done. <laughs> uh, that's probably my favourite episode out this season so far, translate this. But um, the next episode off that, Buster, when... Um, I, think that, I think this is probably the weakest one out of all of them. Yeah, I think it is. I would agree with that. This is definitely the weakest one so far. But even though it was a weak one, it had a funny opening. With, with the, <laughs> the firefighter robot. But, Why does everyone think that every evil robot is mine? <laughs> and it's just like they're trying to bite. It. It's like, Sonic, Sonic, the evil firefighter robot is putting a baby in a burning house. <laughs> oh my god, that yeah. made me laugh. It's like, you need to put it in, you need to save it. And I'm like, oh my. And, it, and it's just, and it's like, go evil firefighter robot. And it's just like, it's just like everyone except for Sonic, like staring at robot, staring at Eggman. It's like, what? If you're good at something, don't don't stop it. <laughs> Mike Pollock sells it. He really so good in this. He sells he sells his line so well. I think this is like his best time playing the character because he's playing a more reserved version of the character. Yeah. And and he's playing them as an actual person as opposed to just like a one dimensional villain. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it just <laughs> And then because of the consequences of this sort of thing, the group decide that Six needs a little pet and everything like that, which actually is quite, which sets up a good punchline with Amy. When they say, they say, Sonic, do you agree that Sticks needs a pet to learn responsibility? Yes. So you will go with Sticks to the pet shop to get her a pet? Um, no. And it's something like, no, that's never going to happen. And then they just come to him taking her to the pet shop. Uh, the time of that was funny. I think my favorite joke in, in that episode as well was like when they're like, it's him or us, okay? Then it's it's us. And then they leave and then and then they're like, wait a minute, this is my house. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it made me laugh as well when um, it's like, 
because because everyone starts to get annoyed with um, Styx's pet Buster that she did pick up, which is a robotic slime dog, which you later on find out has been that was made by Robotnik, and um, the robot uh, basically just mucks everyone up and everything like that. And it's another fact when they have like a group intervention and sticks about the um, about the dog and trying to teach the dog's proper manners. It's like everyone's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll give you one more try. And then Amy just loses it. We're into slimes or hair. It's like, that's it. The dog needs to go. <laughs> and I just felt that it was just done. I just, I just felt it was, it was very well done. And I think one of the funniest, one of the other funny bits in the episode, when the um, Robotnik does turn up, he gives something to the dog and the dog goes eight ship and starts wrecking everything. Um, Sticks trying to talk the dog, trying to talk Buster down. And, um, and she said, oh, come on, Buster, don't you remember all the good times and just, like, get this montage and everything? And Buster gives her this weird look and sticks like, yeah, I don't remember none of that stuff either. <laughs> and I think another favorite joke was comes out of Knuckles. He's like, eh, I never liked him. <laughs> I never liked the little runt. And then he grabs him and is like, did I say runt? I meant good dog. <laughs> and i got to admit, the ending joke was quite funny as well with Tails. It's just like, he's there and he's just like, he's like, hey, Sonic. I got a pet octopus. Can I keep it? And he just eats tails. <laughs> and then you hear tails. Like, yeah, this probably wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> and tail on that day, tails felt felt what many female anime characters felt. <laughs> and then I love I love the extra bit where like he just doesn't eat him up. He just spits out his goggles as well. Yeah, which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> No, but I think that's probably like the the. I think Buster is probably the weakest one out of all of them. Yeah, I would say. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but the most recent two episodes that came out during the time of this recording two days ago, um, and um, it starts off with the first one called My Fair Stixie. When um, I think this is my second favorite episode. Yeah, this was this had some really, really, really good mu- moments in it. Now, like I said, I love the joke with Knuckles and the and the glasses. I just laugh my ass off. But the basic story is that a meteorite shower happened. It's just like it's like, oh my god, it's a beautiful meteorite shower. We should make wishes on it. It's like I want a pony. Amy says, <laughs> like, I wish we got a place to hide. And he just grabs all of it. And then Amy's like, well, why why does your wish come true? And then oh, well, I've got a perfect plan for this. And he's like, it's like, I've got three levers. And what do they do? Well, one is to stop, stop a giant. I can't remember what she said. I remember the two things. One of them is supposed to stop a meteor shower. One of them is supposed to do this. And the other one is supposed to stop me doing mind control. Maybe you should pull the one that stopped the meteorite shower. And it's like, <laughs> just like a giant like tennis racket come out and starts patting all the... <laughs> and, and, and she's like, like... And the mind reading one is exactly the same as the meteorite one, but it had tinfoil on it. <laughs> so because of this, Sticks gets an award called a Wardy Award. <laughs> That's a stupid name. Yeah. I love the fact that they even made an address to that. The point that out is that that's a stupid name for it. And um, it's like you can invite only four guests, and then sorry, comedy chimp. <laughs> I don't even know why I hang around with you guys. And it, so basically, Sticks admits that she's. Um, is untrained in lady efficacy, so she wants to learn how to behave like a lady. So Amy tries to teach her like like the efficacies of being a lady, and even the point when 
trying to teach her the waltz, Sonic um, Amy trying to teach her the the waltz with. Uh, <laughs> I love that. It's like, why is the music controlling us? I'm not sure. <laughs> Puppet music master. And she just breaks, uh, wrecks everything, and Sonic's like. Yeah, she's pretty much right. It's like, it's like, who's going to be your escort? And it's like, Sonny, you could be the escort. It's like, it's like, fine, but I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I just thought, okay, that, that's a funny joke, considering that you've never seen Sonic wear pants. So yeah, they all get suited and booted and all wear and fancy get up. Knuckles still dressed up as a bro, weirdly. And he had like a nice, like, female Japanese sort of dress and Oh, I love the, the, the subplot with Knuckles bonding with the rich guy oh, yeah, over dude, stupid yeah, shit. He just, like, just takes the piss out of everything. Like, My God, boy, you had the you had the audacity to say what we all thinking. <laughs> hey, I just love the fact he said, And he just repeats the same thing over and over again. He said, hey, that's a stupid hat. Anyway, I'm the founder of that club. Oh, now you actually admit it is a stupid hat. But it is asinine. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the fact that basically they all turn, uh, that Eggman turns up for the awardee awards, and you're like, oh, God, what on earth he's doing here? And you just think to yourself, oh, God, what, what's going to happen? And I'm, okay, I'm not a fan of cutaway gags, but hands down, that's the best cutaway gag ever. It's like, what? I was nominated, and it cuts away to, to him riding his robot saying, finally, a use for my ballot. <laughs> my ballot robot. And just like chucking a bunch of ballot. Let's listen to the ballot box. And I thought, okay, that's fine. And he's just like, like sticks about the like, like the tack Eggman, and he's like, she me remember what Amy said? Remember accuracy? He say, wow, you got overreaction. It makes you look big. Why? Thank you. Like, no, it's like something smells fishy, and then it cuts to a fish. It's like what? It's called. Yeah. <laughs> what was it was, it was a fart joke, but yeah, it was, it was funny. It, it's just so cringe where he sticks going around and insulting everyone. It's, it's, it's like. Wow, you smell funny. Or was like, for example, you have a lot of blubber. You're gonna cope well in the winter. <laughs> wow, it was a compliment. I could have said she wasn't prepared for winter. <laughs> oh, and and then just like the whole thing when Eggman didn't get the awards, he's like, that's it, and he just like attacks him with his ballot rope. He ballots and it doesn't do anything. It's like, well, I should have should have thought this through. <laughs> so sure enough, a bunch of buzz. We, we, we haven't mentioned there are buzz bombers and motorbugs in the show, which I do like. <laughs> and it's like they start attacking the party, and sticks goes all. Um, goes all like crazy again and start attacking everything and I love how the ending is like um, what was it then the winner is uh, Tommy <laughs> Turtle Tommy <laughs> Turtle and he's like well you may have won the award Tommy Turtle but I was the real hero this time yeah that is true I did win the award give me the shiny thing <laughs> and then Amy's like yeah I need to learn how to be more more preparing out my lady likeness, I would have to admit sometime. And he's like, six like, oh great, we can actually start to start with the first tutorial. And he just drags her, just dumps her in the dumpster with her. <laughs> like I said, this is probably my second favorite episode because it made me laugh so hard. I just, I, I like Sticks as a character. I think she's like my second favorite character on the show because she's just so random and crazy and. You can tell the writers have a lot of fun writing for her. My favorite characters, my my three favorites. I really, I, I like Sonic. I like Amy, and I really, really like Doctor Eggman in the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Egg, Eggman's great in this. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and speaking of Eggman, he shot. He he got his own episode. Here's the thing, you know, Mike Pollock is. You can 
tell Mike Pollock's a great actor, but I always felt like he never took took the time to shine as Robotnik. But Fortress of Solitude is that episode that made him shine. And if John, if uh, what was it, Long John Boldrew was still alive, he'd be proud because this yeah. is. This is a fucking sad AM episode through and through. Yeah. I, this is like written for his Robotnik, you know? Yeah. It's just like, uh, what was it? People for a magazine company turn up and say, we want to put your base on the on the front cover of La- of our Lair Mumphrey design weekend. <laughs> and then and then they, they show up and it's like, ah, too evil. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's so evil. It's so old school. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even retro. <laughs> no, no retro. And it's just like a robot that go around and say, Shine my boots. Fix the roller coaster. Wait, wait, wait. Eggman has a roller coaster in his face. And you just see you over enter this door. Like a theme park sort of door. Bright light go in. And you just hear these shouts and screams and like chainsaws going off and it's only see Uber and Cubot just fall out of the door just in bases. <laughs> and it's just like this where Eggman decides that he needs like interior designer. And it just cuts away to Amy with um, with everyone else, and like Amy said, "Oh, I sent it off a fancy dinner." Different like as I carved, I woke up early, carved this sculpture, and it melted just enough to make it look perfect. So Sonic, how are the smoothies going? And it's just like, cuts to him sleeping. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that sounds like so. And it says, "Sticks, how how's your preparations going?" I built a moat and I put glass in it. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> they say, Knuckle, how's the pheasants coming? He went, oh, no, no, the, uh, no, the pheasants are coming away. Not like I put them on my hand and, make them look, and pretend talking to them. Oh, no, he has This is my favorite. That's why Knuckles is my favorite character, because he's just so fucking clueless as to what's going on. And he's just like, Tails, Tails, they tell me you got the super music. Oh, I actually took liberty and changed it. It just changes like the womp womp dubstep music. <laughs> And, it, and, he's, and I love Robotnik showing up, and he's like, don't don't let the fact that I constantly try to destroy you means that I'm here to try to destroy you. And, oh, and he's just like, he's, he's like, I can actually need your expertise that you can actually help me with, with something for once. And he's, he's like, and he's like, and he's like, well, at least he appreciates me for my talent. He's like, well, it's not like we, he's like, well, not like we, we don't. And he's like, Sonic says, exactly. <laughs> This is what I mean by their relationship. They come off as like a couple. It's like it would something a boyfriend would say something to his girlfriend at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> he says the wrong thing at her, and she just storms off with Eggman. And then they have a whole montage with Amy and Eggman because this is a very base. It follow Eggman a lot in this episode, and it follow Amy a lot in this episode. I just love the fact what Amy does to Eggman's base. And the whole thing. oh the, the the fucking montage gag with the pillow oh my god every single time they see it they keep moving in different positions as the very egg man just like enough and he just blows it up oh I love the one where she takes down his portrait and puts up a unicorn picture yeah god. and he's like he paired he's like he changed all the drapes to be um like what was it like plaid plaid and the carpet <laughs> as well and then she does it to cuba and all bot and he said is that really necessary it's just like they're all like a pendulum sort of thing spinning around and like um what was it like um oh was it those little angel uh little you, you know valentine day uh, yeah yeah chirrups <laughs> chirrups oh my god that made me laugh seeing seeing that going on with, with the arrows and a shooting Oh, good. And um, the other joke I like when uh, when they're like painting the walls and say, 
he'd say, why are you painting it the exact same grey? No, actually, it's iconic evil grey blue. <laughs> it says it says right on the tin. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then of course, like they have a disagreement, and Eggman takes the he's like, "Who's responsible for this mess?" And I love, I love again Mike Pollock's performance, and this is so like, hilarious. Where he's like, you, "I told you the unicorn was too much." No, I love it. Where he's like, "The person to blame is I love it is me." <laughs> And so basically he captures her and says, hey, you see what I'm going to do? He says, I'm an evil genius. Were you expecting this? And it just cuts away <laughs> back to Sonic and everyone else. Like, it's like dead at night. The food is burnt. Knuckles eating his napkin. And I love the Knuckles joke where he's like, things aren't the same without Amy. Knuckles, you're eating a napkin. Oh. Yeah, I know that, Tails. And just continue. <laughs> so they decide to get him back and it sort of does show off that Amy is sort of like their technical advisor. She's the one who does come up with the plans, and sure enough, the rescue plans to try to get her. They went through the sewer line, they come up through the base, he's just covered in <laughs> filth. He's like, We have the rescue. He's like, Oh my god, you guys stink. And she's like, Yeah, we came for the sewer line. So, yeah, Amy, <laughs> plan. We ain't going, we're not going back through that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just another fact the whole base get wrecked, and like the the, like the the magazine, the AP for the magazine turns up with the photographer, and the photographer say, "Yeah, you're fine." I, I love Eggman's reaction. It's like, "Well, wow, you're early." <laughs> and the photographer's like, "Yeah, you're fired," and just walks off. And he's like, "Here's tickets for the road coaster. That cheered me up." <laughs> uh, overall, the show is funny, really good. I Play love around. this. This is like this is like one of the best. I think this is like the best Sonic cartoon we've gotten in a long time. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of disappointed. I just kind of wish that it didn't air on Cartoon Network because I know that they fucking... It, the U.S. sucks ass when it comes to airing these shows. It's funny because, um, again, like I said, um, the same thing I mentioned during when we talked about the game, the same guy I knew who was doing the live charity live stream, he interviewed... Um, he also interviewed the voice actress for Amy, um, Cindy Rob. Cindy Robertson and also Mike Pollock, and both of them said, in its in the slot it's in at the moment, during that morning slot is the highest watched cartoon of of that morning slot, because it's the only cartoon that that's on Saturday mornings. Yeah, I know. Which is something that everyone said, oh, it's dead. They're never going to show cartoons on Saturday ever again. But there you go. People watching it, <laughs> and, and apparently got high TiVo recording slots on it as well so it means that people are recording it and and watching it later on um, i think that what's going to hurt it i think the problem is is what's going to hurt it those like they they air because cartoon network always does this like they air like the two two episodes first and then halfway through they just air like one episode each week and i think that kind of that's kind of bullshit well at the moment they're doing two episodes per piece and each episode's about 10 minutes long so all together, the show is about what's it like twenty two minutes? Like 20, long. Yeah, twenty two minutes. So I think that's a good enough length for, for for its time slot. Yeah, but like sooner or later, they're just gonna like air like one episode, and it's gonna be like only eleven minutes long. And I'm like, what's the point of that? I think it's gonna take a bit of a break after December six because I think it's uh, well. There's only three more episodes that's on the scheduling list for full dates so far, so I'm not percent sure. When all the episodes, all the other episodes, going to come? Because you know how many episodes have been made for the first season? How many? Fifty-two episodes. 
Jesus. <laughs> for the first season. <laughs> so, they plan to ride this thing out for a while. Don't know how. No, I really, I really love the cartoon. I think, like, a lot of people were worried about it, like you said, but, like, when it aired, holy shit, was it a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I think that this is easily, like, my favorite cartoon right now, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorite shows. This and, like, um, TMNT are, like, the two shows I really like that are currently airing right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Totally agree with that. Because, again, like, um, because this one, like I said, everyone freaked out during that trailer. And, uh, you know, they only showed, like, the trailer was, like, only, like, the first five five minutes five full minutes of the yeah uh, yeah and that that was kind of unfair because like after that after those first five after those like five minutes the show takes its tone like it sets up the the sonic and robotnik thing and then it sets up the plot for that episode where you know sonic gets worried about tails and he's like you know, I'm firing you. <laughs> so, what just happened? Yeah. Oh, I just fired you. <laughs> also, you need grandkids. <laughs> Think you're your grandkids, though. I don't have grandkids. But overall, I felt it's been really good. It's handled so well. And I recommend anyone, even people who are not Sonic fans, to watch this. Because you don't have to be a Sonic fan to get this. It's one of those shows that you can easily get in and just enjoy and get to know these characters as well. And and like I said, what I love about this show is like it doesn't really need to explain anything and it works. Like it doesn't need to, to go into the whole background of who Sonic is and whatnot. All you need to know is Sonic is Sonic and Eggman is the bad guy. There you go. That's yeah. all you need to know. And I love it. I mean, design choices, you know, withstanding. I think this show is really good. I think this is probably like one of the best shows we've gotten for a while now. And I, and seeing as it's on Cartoon Network, I think it will get more of a chance than it was if it's on like if it was on like on Nickelodeon or something like that, because they wouldn't have given it a chance there. But you know. I'm I'm really happy for it. I think the show is great, and everyone should check it out. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's been our Sonic Boom talk. Um, <laughs> I think before before we should go, we've got one last bit of news to talk about. And... Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, I Dragon, been... Dragon, 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 Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so yeah, I've discussed this on the anime podcast I do, and my god, this whole thing, I've, it's like, I knew people who watch anime or used to watch anime, I've not seen the internet blew up over something anime related in quite a while, and this was something everyone was like, wait, what, Freezer's coming back? Didn't everyone lose their shit when the Naruto manga ended yeah, a couple they did. weeks yeah. ago? <laughs> it's very weird. We got very, very, very recently, like a lot of news been blowing up all night. And funny enough, the Naruto thing ended well. No, seriously, <laughs> had a good ending. But everyone, everyone all the fan, fangirls and fanboys rage, rage, were raging and trying to put a protest online not to air the final 
not try to translate <laughs> the final or air the final here in the US because apparently um, Sakura ended up with Sasuke and um, Naruto ended up with Hanich. I can't remember her name. Oh, Hinata? Yeah, Hinata. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and Oh, come on. That was so obvious. Yeah, I know. So fucking obvious. But all the fanfic writers have gone up in arms about <laughs> it. But, um, but yeah, they announced that Freezer's coming back and the rumour is that he might become like a god form in some sort of sense. Like he's been re- resurrected by a small militia of the rest of his um, empire. So I guess you could say this isn't even his final form. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what's funny? That's actually the, that's actually the title for the um, anime podcast that we actually talked uh, that I talked on. That's the actual title. For that episode. <laughs> No, seriously. God. This uh, the title is. This is not even. This is not even our final form. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I can't remember it somewhere, but I think that is the title, or at least one of the working titles. <sighs> but uh, I, I like Frieza. I think is probably one of the most interesting characters that they came out with during that run. Yeah, he was the first actual villain of the show. Like it was a threat. Yeah. And Close I, to Vegeta. <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of the most... He's also one of the most iconic villains for the show. It's like, when I speak to people who were watching growing up, they always talked about... The two villains they always talked about was Freeze or Cell. Not a lot of people talk about Margin Buu. I think a lot of people got put off put off by Dragon Ball Seek when Margin Buu came about here in the Western audiences anyway. And... um yeah, it was done. It, it, the news was delivered. It was on a poster. The poster looks interested. It's going to be released in 2D and 3D as well in Japan theaters because how well the the last film, Battle of the Gods, did in the theaters, even did surprisingly well when they released it. What happened? They were planning to release it for one week only in America in selected theaters. It did so well. They let they kept it in theater for another two weeks. Wow. <laughs> so you know, I thought Battle of the Gods was okay. I didn't it, really. Battle of the Gods is probably one of my favorite Dragon Ball C films. I like it a lot, but um, I like. I mean, I like it, and it would have been a good send off. But I kind of knew deep down in my heart that they were going to make more of these fucking movies. Well, a, lot, a lot of people were like, well. Dragon Ball C, um, it did did a film, and a lot of people said, "Oh, why is Freezer coming back?" I went, "Well, have you gone back and watched Battle of the Gods recently?" And then people said to me, "No." I went, "Well, go back and watch it. They name drop Freezer a lot in that <laughs> film, and I mean a lot because <laughs> of marketing. Because he's a kind of an iconic character. <laughs> he's name dropped a lot in that film, and it's just like my." Hold how many times are you going to name drop this fucker? Because they did the whole space aspect. Because um, all the villain, it was interesting. Uh, I was really, really surprised um, in that film, though, that the main bad guy, um, Bruce, I think his name was, um, the the god of destruction, did not re- recognize Margin Boo. <laughs> but yeah, again, he might recognize him when he probably was hibernating when he was going on that rampage, or only recognize him as Kid Boo. Um, I would say I think Bills has probably my favorite design out of all the Dragon Ball villains, I would say. Oh, yeah. Because I love the the Egyptian cat motif is just really nice. I don't know why. Bills, (laughs) the thing I like about Bills is that, um, as well, 
is that um, he, out of all the movie villains, he's been one of the most interesting, I would say, since Broly. And no love for Cooler? I like Cooler. I like Cooler. I like Cooler. <laughs> because I was trying to think out of all the villains that were up to that point. But Cooler, yeah, Cooler's probably the coolest movie villain. I I love that design with the mask and and the and the the the, the spiky mask and all that stuff. I, I don't know. I love that because it, it showed that they could have easily just made a a, a copy of Frieza yeah. because he was his brother. But like they they really went out and designed a, new, a different character, and it was really interesting. I love his design so much. I give him credit for one. For, I give him credit for one thing as well when they were doing the character designs for Cooler. Um, that it looked really cool, and even the final form version of it. But I like. I, I know. I know. You're, I know you're not a fan of the bridge stuff, but they, oh, no, no, they, did, they did one good joke. They did a really good joke, which was in the Return of Cooler, when Goku and Vegeta are basically getting electrocuted near towards the end sequence of that film, and they say, "You underestimated us, just like don't say it like you did on Earth." Oh, okay. And Vegeta said, "Just like your, just just like your brother Frieza." That's it. And I thought, okay, that's funny because he hates because they got the character because he hates being compared to his his younger brother Freezer. <laughs> I think Return of Cooler is again another underrated movie. I think yeah. that that uh, is, one, is one of my favorites, and I think again, Cooler is a very underrated villain. And Brawly, eh, I, I never really liked the Brawly stuff, to be quite honest. I think Brawly should have been a standalone villain in one film. Because they they oversaturated that villain in Bio Broly and <laughs> Broly Returns. Um, oh, it's still better than Super Seventeen. That guy can go fuck himself. Yeah. But but yeah, overall he's just announced and he's coming back, so can't wait to see it. That's <laughs> well, what about Goku versus Evil Goku? <laughs> oh God, I remember I told you about this. Um, that idea went out the window. Thank God it did. <laughs> Like... No, no, someone on, on the anime podcast like, was trying to defend that idea, and I'm like, well, yes and no. It depends how you approach it. It's like, it depends how they're going to approach this whole thing with Freezer. It could be good, or it could be done really badly. It depends how they do it. But overall... Because I... again, I think it's been a long time now that, like I said, 2016 and 2015 are going to be like the two biggest years for anime nostalgia. Oh, yeah. And 90s nostalgia in general. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, Battle of the Gods did so well and it kind of kick-started the, the nostalgia factor for Dragon Ball Z again. Yeah, because... Like, the, 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 the series is getting re-released on Blu-ray again and it's been selling really well. So, you know, there is still a, a huge audience for it. Well, that would be nice. I picked up the collection edition on Blu-ray when I saw it in, 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 in um, HMV in England here, and I'm like, I've got to get it. <laughs> because it's, it's their first film, first feature film they've done in 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just done well. Overall, um, I'm curious to see when they're going to go with this. And Bill's going to return in the film, in, in the poster. He's on the poster, so I'm curious to see how that how he's going to be used. Because I think that's the only way you can make Freezer a threat if you make him more powerful than Bill's. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, it's it's 
It's just one of those things. I mean, Dragon Ball was just, again, it's the show that introduced a lot of us who grew, grew up in the 90s to anime, and it was the one of probably the first anime I remember watching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's a dumb show, and like I said before on, on previous podcasts, uh, it's the only show I can think of that I have a love-hate relationship with, because... When it's good, it's really good, and when it's terrible, it's really fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm looking forward to more Dragon Ball stuff, and Frieza's always great, you know. I like Battle of the Gods; I thought that was a great movie. So you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's our, been our podcast, and we'll all see you all later. Bye bye. Bye bye.